Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with J.P. McNamara on C103. And good morning to you Tuesday after the bank holiday weekend. Hope you did enjoy the Easter. Obviously different circumstances for us all. A different type of Easter it was for everybody but hopefully you did enjoy it uh, the best way you could and I'm sure still the Easter eggs were had in your household over Easter. Let us know how you got on for Easter. As I said a different uh, Easter for many a lot of people unable to travel uh, to their families for this Easter if they were outside that particular 2k limit. Uh, But again I think people made the most of what they could across the weekend our lines are open this morning Bernie and Sadie takes your calls on 1850-333-103 you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 you can tweet us this morning at C103Cork or email jp at c103.ie ahead just discussing I suppose what has come out across the last few days in relation to COVID-19 and how now uh, here in Ireland we'll have another three weeks even though the government aren't calling it a lockdown uh, it basically is more or less a lockdown these restrictions will continue for another three weeks we'll get to that shortly uh, but just what's coming up on this morning show outside of that we are discussing because we're getting a lot of calls about this over the last number of weeks the cuts that are happening to the home help service and this is obviously is relation uh, to the pandemic that is going on but many feel now this has to be reviewed as they fear the vulnerable could lose out when it comes to these particular cuts we're hearing from families who have young children and because the hours are either cut back or totally cut they now are providing the home health service so you have families coming together in this crisis looking after their maybe elderly parents or or relatives or whatever Uh, but they're in a situation because they have young children and they cannot obviously bring the kids to the house of either their children or or aunts or whatever and then they're leaving food at a distance Uh, they're not properly communicating you could say in one sense they can't gain access to the house to do certain jobs some families are working around this others are finding it hard discussing that this morning with Deputy Michael Moynihan who's raising this particular issue also beef farmers are worried as the price of beef for farmers is dropping along with some stores over the last few weeks using foreign beef and not Irish beef now as everybody is struggling to keep uh, their wages beef farmers have openly been saying for the last number of months that they're worried about the future of their industry with the increased pressure now coming uh, because of the coronavirus and the worldwide markets changing and then we have a situation whereby foreign beef is being sold here in Ireland. We're going to speak to Helen O'Sullivan from the Beef Plan Movement on that particular issue and what the farmers are now looking for or what can be done as the farming industry continues as normal but then you have parts of it like this are suffering and with the 
every industry is suffering at the moment because of COVID-19. What can be done for the particular beef industry in this country, especially if there is foreign beef still being used here and the shops are noticing an increase in shoppers. So you would think because of that, that we are buying more Irish, but if they're importing uh, beef and importing uh, products from outside of Ireland that can be produced here in this country, that is a concern to farmers. We're also going to hear on a further call on broadband operators to extend their limits and capacity as more people work from home. Now, we have a lot of families who use broadband every single day now because the parents are working from home or the brothers or guardians or whoever is in the house are working from home. There is an increased pressure on broadband networks, especially in more rural areas and the capacity needs to be increased. We're discussing that on the show this morning. Also, discussing uh, travel across the weekend. Uh, Did many obey the restrictions? Uh, Travelling, obviously people have to travel for work and you have uh, those essential workers who have the letters given from their employers to travel uh, beyond the distance. But uh, there was a lot of concern on Thursday and Friday about those travelling to coastal regions across uh, Cork. That would be mainly East Cork and West Cork. And locals have become concerned because over the last few weeks they have noticed holiday homes lighting up. They have noticed people travelling from Dublin or indeed Cork City to their holiday home either in East Cork or West Cork. So what was the overall outcome on that? We have emails here. I'll get to them in a while from people who were concerned, but we did get a response from the Guardian and that. So we'll hear from that in a few minutes. And people concerned at the amount of English red cars they spotted. And over again over the weekend, mainly those ferries were carrying cargo, very little uh, passenger travel on those particular ferries, but was there previous. And we had a lot of calls and emails over the weekends from people who were cocooning and then they were noticing English cars driving around so they were saying well we're staying inside how come these people are allowed visit and drive around while we cocoon anyhow we'll get to that shortly on the show and as people do stay indoors or within their own front lawn or back lawn if you look lucky enough to have a front and back garden or indeed in a housing estate or wherever you are uh, parenting is becoming an issue because parents are still working the majority of them are from home and while you work you're trying to entertain your children as well so discussing the new type of parenting and what can be done for parenting in this situation that we find ourselves during COVID-19 Joe Heffernan our regular counsellor on the show will discuss that after midday plus indeed your calls and comments are welcome across the morning 1850 333103 text or WhatsApp 0862103103 uh, but of course yesterday the latest figures were released yesterday evening and there now has been in relation to COVID-19 334 related deaths here in Ireland and as of 1 o'clock yesterday an additional new 430 confirmed cases of COVID-19 that's reported by the labs in Ireland and an additional 297 confirmed cases and that's coming from the labs in Germany. Now of course those German results uh, could be from a number of weeks ago, but still that is the latest when it comes to figures in this country. And I can see text coming in regarding the PPE, the equipment that is needed to protect yourself if you're working in a particular hospital environment. Well, the latest on that is that the 31 million order, 31 million euros order uh, has been uh, coming from Germany and that is currently being dispatched and that will go across the island of Ireland. And then batch two, that is going to come later this week. That's at a cost of 60 million euros. That's from Germany. Batch 3 then will come from China and the HSE hope anyhow that this will come again towards the end of this week and for those in private nursing homes they this time are included in the supply chain for PPE 
I think it's 162 nursing homes were on the planned cycle this weekend coming and then more of the following week. So private nursing homes are going to be included uh, with this particular batch of PPE that is coming from both Germany and indeed from China. And a lot of people on about the queues in our hospitals has decreased. It has uh, not that very many on trolleys. I think there was none for a lot of the days last week. I think there was two only in some of the hospitals the week before. But attendance at any the Departments. What it is down, there has been a 12% increase last week to those attending A&E. Now, I know the HSC did come out and say if somebody had a particular condition, that they are welcome to go along to the A&E and not to be holding back if you have a serious condition that is now. Uh, but it is interesting to see that the amount of people uh, that are attending A&Es has fallen. While there is an increase last week, it seems that those who did attend were those who were in need in the various A&Es, uh, not only here in Cork, but across the country. And then when it comes to the COVID-19 test results, we get various calls here from people who went for a test and were waiting three weeks before they got a result. Others then who went for a test and as yet three weeks ago got the test, never got the results. And then we're hearing from people who went for the test and got the results after a week or even after a few days. So there's mixed news and mixed results by way of phone calls here to us anyhow of when people receive their actual tests. I don't know if it's just a hit and miss or, or what is happening. But in relation to that, the HSC did release a statement over the weekend because a number of people were incorrectly advised that they did not have the coronavirus and then they were told they actually did have it. It's as a, as a result of this, they were able to make a determination that some were in fact weakly positive. Now the HSC has apologised for the error and they're saying every effort has been made to ensure that the correct information is communicated to these people without delay. Uh, but still, it's a worry uh, for people who have had the actual test then to realise, oh no, actually, uh, we said you were negative, but you actually did have it, even though the HSC is saying that they are weakly positive results uh, of a COVID-19 and it seems that social distancing could be the new norm and we will be social distancing for a good while yet even if the restrictions are lifted here in this country over the next while and it won't be for the next three weeks as we know but after that they do slowly look at lifting any type of restriction. Social distancing could be here for a long long time until the vaccine or something anyhow is brought in to deal uh, with the coronavirus Uh, but on mainland Europe uh, they are taking their first steps towards a return to what any type of normality will be after this but yesterday in some of the countries they started reopening businesses and several other nations have announced that they are preparing uh, this as well as they come to the end of their lockdown in the coming days so uh, firstly Spain and Italy who were the uh, two European countries worst hit by the coronavirus outbreak they have restarted some industries this week while Germany is considering opening schools from next Monday and slowly over the rest of the month a million or of Spaniards have actually returned to work yesterday to their jobs after Madrid lifted the curbs on non-essential industries. That's like builders and cleaners and construction. They've all gone back uh, working again. And likewise, that is due to happen in other countries. Austria, another country, of course, which is now slowly opening non-essential shops from this week as well. Uh, So we have Austria, Spain, Italy and Germany all slowly returning to normal. And when we mean returning to normal, uh, they are slowly reopening uh, their shops and stores that were considered uh, non-essential. They're slowly opening. So that's a positive that that is happening in those countries. Will it happen here? 
Uh, well, it more likely will. Uh, maybe after the three weeks, it will depend. It's a day-by-day cases again for everybody, I think, at the moment, no matter what country you're living in. The fear is, though, and I think this was mentioned in one of the press briefings last week, late last week, is that if they do go back to a scenario whereby we do slowly lift the restrictions, uh, then you could have a situation whereby the numbers could rise again. And if that is the situation, we could go back into those restrictions again. So uh, we'll, I suppose we'll take note of what's happening in those countries like Spain and Italy and see how they fare uh, over the next number of weeks. But the next three weeks will tell a lot here for us in Ireland. And we could see, as the, the Taoiseach Leif Riker said uh, last week, uh, this could be some of our darkest days in the next week or so, depending on how it all goes uh, with the testing uh, for the coronavirus. Uh, but this uh, next week or so will be uh, at the limit for us and we'll see how we will get on then for the the next number of weeks when it comes to the results coming in on COVID-19 and how everybody behaves I suppose as well in relation to social distancing and I think overall people are the majority of people are behaving when it comes to that interesting it looks like at this stage we may not have live sport for the rest of this year the GAA having a special congress on Friday whereby they are considering playing their games indoors and without crowds or behind closed well I wouldn't say closed doors but behind doors anyhow we won't be uh, seeing a lot of fans coming in cheering on their various counties this year that's the way things are looking at the moment anyhow as they want to start the championship but it would be behind closed doors whereby you would not have crowds going in to see or watch those particular games again we'll have to wait and see what comes out of Congress this week Uh, but it's the same for all sports the same for soccer for rugby every sport is hit by this and just the emails we got in here's one of them an example of what we were getting across the weekend and this comes in from a person who calls themselves a true rebel and this person says can you get an answer from the on how West Cork is full of tourists, why the ferries weren't told to stop carrying passengers, why flights are still landing in Cork with people and are they being made to isolate for two weeks? Will the government be using the Apple tax money to offset the cost of this to the Irish people? Well, on that regarding people coming back in yep the majority anyhow are uh, isolating for two weeks when they return to this country if they are Irish coming back uh, from abroad maybe they were caught out somewhere and have returned home but on the issue of tourists uh, coming into the region, especially those over the last few days, yes, people probably have uh, got in before the complete lockdown and realised this was coming and left their homes either in Dublin or Cork or either in the UK or elsewhere, came to Ireland, came to Cork and did go into their holiday homes. And that was evident over the last number of weeks. And there was more anger than last weekend when people started travelling just before uh, the uh, official lockdown began and the restrictions on travel uh, became policed uh, more strictly by the Gardaí from around Wednesday or Thursday onwards. Anyhow, uh, over the weekend, Gardaí said they did fear a surge of visitors to holiday homes, but uh, it was managed successfully. There was a few chances they said who flouted the travel restrictions overall but uh, it did not it wasn't as 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 bad as they actually planned or thought it would be uh, that the majority of people did obey obey the rules that the Gardaí and the state were setting out when it comes to traveling now there was 
as I said, a high level of compliance, but Gardaí did and were stopping people at various junctions. That particular person there mentioned West Cork. There was restrictions and there was checkpoints at the viaduct. There was checkpoints in Inishannon, checkpoints at Farron. Uh, if you're heading to the McCroom direction, checkpoints in Clonakilty, in Kinsale. So there was a number of checkpoints in various parts of the county across the weekend. Checkpoints this morning as well. I met one at the Drumahan Junction while coming to the radio station here in Mallow this morning. There was checkpoints there, checkpoints at the Commons Road as well. So while there was a lot of checkpoints, the majority of people were either essential workers or going shopping and doing that just to get their, their weekly shop and obeying the, the limits and all of that. While overall the compliance was good, then there was people who were drinking, I'm afraid, over the weekend. And there was two drink drivers discovered in Ross Carberry and in Dunmanway and seemingly they were well over the limit and a large bonfire uh, which was seemingly to be lit on Garristown Beach that was also discovered and that was dismantled by Gardaí and the council uh, over the weekend as well but overall Gardaí is saying that there was a high level of compliance across the weekend and anybody that they did stop were basically essential workers so that answers that particular question while there was though uh, a number of uh, people who did enter the country before the official lockdown here, uh, they were already in place and that's what I- is angering a lot of people who are cocooning or indeed not leaving their homes to travel to either uh, their home place or indeed to travel with outside the 2K in, within where they live. Anyhow, uh, that's what we got back from the Gardaí when we questioned that. Uh, your views are welcome on the particular restrictions. 1850 333103, text or WhatsApp 086 A lot more uh, to get through as well this morning. We'll get to those from uh, various issues that have come up across the weekend but your lines are open you can uh, text or WhatsApp 0862103103 or you can email jp at c103.ie Our lines are open 1850 Bernie and Sadie taking your calls this morning text or WhatsApp 0862103103 and I know a lot of locals in the Donrell area were not pleased when and they understood why this had to be done but Donrell Park and Donrell Estate did close over the weekend because of those restrictions well, at the request of Angardi, Donrell Estate Park, it will remain closed until further notice. So while locals were hoping that it might reopen uh, this week, for locals who do avail of that amenity, at the moment, it seems anyhow that Donrell Park, the estate there, will remain closed until further notice. I know a lot of locals were hoping it would remain open, but seemingly people were travelling from outside the area to Donrell, and that was one of the reasons why they had to close that particular amenity. And also, some news over the weekend, Outside of COVID-19 and a lot of vandalism in various parts of the country across the weekend, you'd wonder why with everything going on. But uh, if you travel, this would be on the Blarney Road on the city north side and anybody that might travel on that particular road heading from North Cork into the city or maybe a further afield, there are statues there on the junction of that road whereby you would continue on to go to Blarney Street and you would kind of turn right and uh, follow the course of the road to go down towards uh, Sunday's Well and Shanakeel and that particular area. Uh, well, there, those particular statues were vandalised across the weekend. Someone wrote and kind of drew faces on the particular uh, statues of Our Lady and wrote inappropriate comments on the faces of those particular statues as well. Anyhow, a lot of upset in that particular area, especially at this time when some people and a lot of people are turning to prayer and religion that that actually uh, was done. And I'm sure that particular junction, you'll be aware of those particular statues. And uh, they have been vandalised a few times over the last number of months, but 
this uh, is, is permanent uh, vandalism and, and someone will now have to go off and try and uh, take off what they've done to those particular statues uh, and you'd wonder why again someone would do that in this particular time and also a warning because I know a lot of people are asking about driving licence renewal and going about how you now renew your driving licence and all of that well Gardaí are warning across the weekend that's a public scam doing the rounds and it's a fake Facebook page claiming to be from the National Driving Licence Service and it's inviting people to contact them via WhatsApp to apply for or renew their driving licence then they're seeking a payment of over €200 Euro, and of course that is the scam part because that, that is asking people uh, to part with their money so it's a total scam and Gardaí say that the India list does not have any official social media pages and that this is a fraudulent page and again uh, it has been reported to Facebook to be removed not too sure if it's been removed or not as yet uh, but they're saying the only way to contact them uh, regarding driving licences is through the official Road Safety Authority social media pages or online at rsa.ie or ndls.ie but again be careful if you have seen a Facebook page claiming to be the National Driver Licence Service the NDLS and they're asking you or you think you might go on to that and check out with them about renewing your driving licence or applying for a driving licence and then you get the WhatsApp details ignore it it's a scam they're asking for the money and then that's where they make their money out of the scam by you paying them over €200 Euros. so be aware of that 1850 lines open text or WhatsApp Tap 0862103103. On the way, discussing those fears by many on the cuts to the home health service during this particular pandemic, and why now that needs to be reviewed. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. A statement last week from the Cork Kerry Community Healthcare stated that home help hours would be reviewed and that parts of the service will cease under the emergency measures are no longer required. Deputy Michael Moynihan is raising the issue and joins me. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning. First of all, as we've been hearing here, this is leaving a lot of families under pressure who have children who are off school at home with them. They're trying to mind elderly parents or relatives and while home help hours have either for them been reduced or suspended they're trying to keep their children away from the grandparents and many then are asking why this wasn't looked at on a case by case basis rather than an overall for everybody Yeah I think that you know I suppose first of all there's no question or doubt but the home health service those that are receiving it and those that are practising home health and giving the service throughout the country I have to be commended because they are an excellent service and they have built up over the years and it has been a great source to every family for to have the home health service for their loved ones and also it has taken huge pressure off the system in terms of, of uh, long-term facilities and so forth. It has been a, and it continues to be a excellent service. And I think, you know, what has shown when the letter went out to the uh, home health users um, the service users was kind of a bland letter saying that the service was being cut. I think it needs to be looked at in a case-by-case basis. And I've made this uh, very, very sincerely to the HSE. And I, I understand, you know, everybody working within the healthcare service are under enormous pressure and there's enormous challenges uh, all over the place. But if we look at those that are uh, in receipt of home help, and though some of them, like, it, it, it's not an option uh, it's not an optional extra to have the home health service. It is responding to their needs, and some of them have uh, 
high dependencies. Some of them have um, exceptional needs, some of them. And there have been, you know, the home health uh, people have been trained up to provide that health care service for people in their own homes. And thankfully, it has been working. But I think that on a case-by-case basis, it needs to be looked at. Because in some instances, there is no backup service. There is no, and where there are families, you know, they have other challenges as well to try and make to. And I think everybody is rowing in, but we need to look at it on a case-by-case basis. And I've spoken again this morning to the HSE, making that point that we need to look at it. It is no longer acceptable to have across the board as uh, stopping of the service it has to be looked at on a case-by-case basis because there are many cases out there that are coming to my attention that really need to have the home health reinstated and have that service for the betterment of the the person that's receiving the home help and for the services and indeed for the state long-term as well because, uh, you know, in some instances, if the home help isn't reinstated, uh, it might have to go into long-term care and that is um, a huge challenge. I mentioned there regarding families, there is a lot of people, unfortunately, who may not have families nearby or have any families at all by them. And they just rely solely on the home help service. I mean, surely those particular people need to be looked at first. Correct. And there are instances as well where there are family members um, because of their jobs or because of their of what they are working and maybe frontline in, in the various emergency services of the state uh, that aren't able to... Um, a, they have to isolate themselves from the elderly because of their day-to-day job. And in some instances, that have, it's just not, it, there's a huge challenge for people, for families to have to walk around when the home health service has been uh, stopped and they, they just can't. And then, you know, there are dignity issues as well that need to be looked at. And I think from, from my perspective, right, and, you know, whilst we preface everything we have in relation to the extraordinary times that we're in, at the same time, we have to be mindful of the needs that are out there within the communities and we have to make sure that a difficult decisions and all that are being made right across this country at the moment uh, for the betterment of, of all of us, we have to make sure that there's a basic service provided for the most vulnerable people to ensure that they continue to, to live in their own communities and that they're not going to be challenged or not going to be any other difficulties in it because everything is a challenge at the moment, particularly in relation to healthcare. But I do think that rather than just a bland letter not even addressed to the individual who is receiving the home health service, that uh, it, it should be a case that on a case-by-case basis, look at it. Uh, and that is going to cause a, a lot of work within the HSE as well. There's no question or doubt about that. And of course, there are some people that have been are, are home health and uh, because of one reason or another, cannot uh, continue to be home help during this period of an emergency because of of issues they have themselves, and that there are challenges there. But on a case by case basis, we cannot leave the most vulnerable without a service um, at this particular time. And I think that what we need to do is to ask the HSEs to look at it from the the knowledge that they have and the information that they have to look at it on a case by case basis and make sure that we provide this service into the future. And I know you mentioned some of the home health workers there who are unable to do this at the moment because of their own situations. What about those who were working within the service? Are they going to be redeployed elsewhere if they're told their hours are cut? Or what is the story for the workers of home health? We haven't. I have been trying to ascertain that information at the moment. That is not, I have no clarification on that or I have asked for clarity 
on that particular situation. I don't think that is, uh, I, as I understand it, that doesn't arise at the moment. But if I do get clarification on it, I will certainly come back to you and to the listeners to get the, to uh, put the clarification out there. And while this is temporary, and I know things will, will return at some point to normality for the home health sector, and you know you can see the HSC are, are trying their best to curtail and deal with what is happening at the moment, but we had a lot of home health carers who have contacted us over the last number of weeks. They're unhappy because they have not got any personal protection equipment, and anything they have got, they've had to pay themselves. They've had to buy their own gloves, buy their own hand sanitizer, anything like that they've had to purchase themselves. Uh, why Why is it that some sectors of the health service are, have to do this and, and they feel that they're the ones who are still on the front line but yet we know there's a demand for PPE we know the hospitals probably do require it first but home health workers feel they're also on the front line and yet they can't get access to anything unless uh, they pay for it themselves Absolutely and I think that the, 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 the home health workers right these are a dedicated uh, group of people that are providing an enormous service to the state and I think that we can never underestimate the strength of that language, what I'm saying there, because they are providing a underlying, they're putting, providing it within the communities, care within their own communities for, for elderly or vulnerable people. And we should acknowledge and, uh, I suppose, acknowledge their contribution all right across the time. And uh, But I think that we should make sure, that the HSE should make sure that every and any facilities or equipment that is needed for the home care team, for the home health workers that is provided because they need that as well. They need to make sure that they are confident and that they are content with, you know, working within uh, the community with with vulnerable people as well. And that has to be um, paramount. And I think it is, you know, it it doesn't reflect well enough that they were left without that equipment. And I think that we must make sure that that equipment is there for the home health teams that are out there. Also, there is concern, and I think that concern was probably coming through to your programme as well, uh, JP, in terms of the, um, you know, people are saying, OK, because of circumstances and families being off and so forth, some families are willing to walk around it. But their concern is that when things return to normal, and please God that they will return to normal, that the home health service would be reinstated. I think that is critical as well. That, you know, in, in some instances, if there is a temporary cessation, that there is going to be a reinstatement. But more importantly, that everything that is looked at now is looked on a case-by-case basis, not just on a, you know, the categories that people are in or so forth and just a, a, a wide brush of a stroke saying that that category then will no longer receive home health. It is important that there is a case-by-case basis because every and all of these cases are individual cases individual levels of need and individual needs within their own families. And I think it's important. That's the point I have been trying to make with the last, since this letter uh, was sent out to people last week, I've been trying to make this, that we need to look at it individually and make sure that any other families in that are working with the HSC, that their, that their service will be reinstated going uh, forward into the future. 
Okay, we'll wait and see what happens uh, and what response we get back from them regarding those case-to-case uh, particular situations we're hearing of. Shelley, who is a home health worker, has contacted the show. She says, and she feels it's extremely unfair uh, that the HSC have pulled the particular service from some of their clients. And uh, I don't know, I presume she means that home health workers uh, or maybe it's the clients that some of them now are being put into nursing homes. She's also very afraid when it comes to being a frontline member of staff without the actual uh, PPE equipment. Uh, but I presume she means that some of their clients now are being put into nursing homes, uh, which she doesn't agree with either because of what we're hearing of clusters in certain areas of the country. Uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I suppose, Michael, what happens yeah, with think, that uh, I, when I it comes to the people that are looking after as well, yeah, if well, that I is the situation? That is something that should not be countenanced in any way, shape or form that whatever has to be done within the HSE and within the services that are there to make sure that people are kept in their own communities, particularly in light of the pandemic that is uh, out there at the moment, and make sure that whatever has to be done and that the last resort has to be um, in continuing care at this particular period in time. Okay, well, again, we'll see what happens on that over the next few days. Just before I let you go, Michael, obviously today and a lot of talk in the papers this morning, uh, the Taoiseach Leif Radker and indeed your own Fianna Fáil leader, Michal Martin, are due to hold government formation talks later today. Uh, they're expected to discuss a document that has been negotiated by both parties. Uh, we're, we're seeing that the green agenda is also on the cards, maybe bringing the Greens in to form a particular or some type of coalition anyhow. I mean, would you welcome that? A lot of people were looking at both those parties Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil and saying they'll never join up but everything going on at the moment it looks like they could be could we see history here in the making of Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil joining up not like what we had before but actually working in coalition I'm not sure there is I understand that there will be talks later today on this framework document that is uh, put out there and I think that they that, that will be being briefed by the to various uh, part to the uh, parliamentary party and so forth and I think that we have to wait and see what is exactly in that document uh, I don't think that we need to like you know the media everybody's headlong into I think that we have to uh, be very careful we also have to make sure that you know we are on in unprecedented times we are in desperately challenging times and what policies that have to be implemented for the next five years are really have to be extraordinary policies because they're going to have to, we have, the pandemic is raging at the moment. We don't know. We are locked down until the 5th of May. When will that, is that going to continue beyond then? And we have to make sure that there is proper policies that, you know, are, are reflective and not putting more pressure on all of society uh, as we go forward. And I do think that, uh, you know, there's a lot, I, I, my own opinion is that there's, a lot of negotiations, a lot of talks, a lot of, of stuff to go yet before uh, we will be at anywhere at those junctures. And finally, on the with government formation and indeed how the HSC are dealing with the particular crisis. I mean, are you happy that even though there seems to be a delay uh, with some test results, and then we had a situation at the weekend that people were told they were negative when indeed they were positive. I mean, are you happy overall with the way the HSC and uh, this acting government are dealing with well, the situation, I, I, or do we need to forward well, steps I, on to have I, a, a proper government in place? I, I do think, and I've reflected very carefully. Right, we. I think. We all understand that there's a massive challenge out there for us, and, 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 and by and large, everybody is playing their part in trying to make sure that this is contained 
in is sensible and uh, but nobody has the entire answers nobody has the every answer in it and I do think you know there was some talk last week you know uh, the dawn meeting and you know the various regulations that we have to adhere to now with practice and so forth and I understand all of that but we do have to make sure that there are, there are questions no more than the home health uh, issues are coming up there we have huge questions uh, coming through to us on a, an hourly basis on different aspects that are being of, of people that are being affected on a whole raft of issues right across the spectrum and they are challenges that are going to be made they are challenges that are going to affect them and their families and their communities right into the future and we do have to have a platform to raise those and to try and get answers nobody has a, you know the a, a absolute um, on what is the right answers in these questions I think Dr. Tony Holohan is working extremely hard and is reassuring. But I do think that there are issues as well that we need to raise. A, social welfare, the challenges that are there on social welfare, the challenges on, on self-employment, on uh, small businesses, and they going into the the, uh, the um, wage subsidy scheme. There are huge challenges in all of that aspect of it. There are people, you know, today we seem to have some clarity in relation to the local authorities and they buying into um, people that would have had loans in local authorities to buy their houses. There seems to be some indication, you know, three, four weeks into it uh, to see that there would be some uh, break for people that have lost their jobs due to COVID. There are enormous issues out there for people to try and uh, deal with it, to try and, I suppose, get answers or get guidance on to what is the best thing to do at this time. And we have to ensure that we try and give that information as best we can. But I, I, I do think, you know, society, you know, we have a world pandemic. It has brought the, the world to, to, to a halt in, in many respects. And uh, the challenges that would be there would be great. It is uh, a worldwide issue. And I think how we uh, deal with that in the short term and in the long term uh, will reflect on the type of society that we will develop over the next 20 to 25 years. OK, well, we'll leave it there, Michael. We'll await and see what happens in relation to government formation for the moment. Uh, thanks for joining us this morning. That is Fianna Fáil, Deputy for Cork North West, Michael Moynihan. Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. And just a number of your comments and following our conversation with Michael Moynihan. First of all, Patrick from Moy wants to thank all the Irish medics who travelled home from various parts of the world to help out with the crisis and indeed all the shop and frontline staff working every day. And I mentioned there about English red cars and people who were saying those who came from other countries into Ireland maybe a few weeks before the lockdown that they are driving around and there's a concern at the amount of those in coastal areas. Well James in Charnival says the ferry from England and the airport should be closed. James knows of a convoy of people from the UK who landed in Ross Lair and then travelled on to Limerick. He reckons it's around 200 miles. How did they get through all the Garda checkpoints? Asked James. Well more of those calls on the way after 11. Also on the way we're going to be discussing a further call on broadband companies to extend their limits and capacity as more people work from home. We will hear about and how the weekend went in coastal areas as many were fearful of those travelling to their holiday homes. Uh, did things calm down from Friday onwards and also uh, discussing beef farmers and they're worried about the price of beef which continues to drop and some stores using foreign beef. And last Friday, well done to everybody who donated because we were 
asking Cork last Good Friday to do something really good and that was to support Cork's frontline legends during the COVID-19 pandemic and of course we all know of people working in the healthcare sector who are doing over and beyond working longer shifts and everything to do their best to cope with those who are coming into the hospital and deal with everything that is going on within our hospitals here in Cork and we did join forces with the Mercy Hospital Foundation and the CUH charity and we asked people to donate just 19 euros for medical teams going above and beyond to save lives here in Cork and that would the money would go and support a number of a range of different services within uh, these particular hospitals for the medical staff there and we are going to announce the amount of money raised from uh, the Friday uh, charity fundraiser which we did it was done on the phone lines it was done by people donating on the websites and we got a huge reaction to this. Well done to everybody who took time out to do the donate just 19 euros but also people donated more uh, than 19 euros as well so well done to everybody who got involved uh, with that particular fundraiser for Cork's Frontline Legends Uh, we'll be revealing the total amount at midday so on the midday news uh, later with Barry he'll have the full total of what we have raised from uh, that particular Good Friday Frontline Legends fundraiser uh, which as I said at one stage we the phone lines actually were jammed there was such a big response Uh, the website it got slow because of the response that's a good sign when you when you see that the website is under pressure and the phone lines are jammed that is a good response indeed you know you're doing something well at that stage so well done to everybody who donated the overall figure will be revealed at midday on C103 News with Barry and also just on good items and good positive news can I say hello to Ginny Murphy Ginny is um, from I think Lamoya originally but has the Red Bloom business based in Ballincollig and over the weekends her neighbour sent us on some pictures because uh, Ginny is great at uh, a balloon artist is what you would call her but she's great at doing different things with balloons and outside her home in Clonakilty where she lives she has designed a number of balloons which were in the shape all I can say is of a star and they were all different colours and it just brightened up everybody on an Easter Sunday morning when they got up out of their beds were strolling around the estate or were going for their walk and they saw these colourful balloons outside her home in the way of a star so well done uh, to Ginny Murphy the uh, bright display outside her home really did uh, brighten up everybody and it's part of a worldwide initiative now it's, it's called One Million Bubbles it was launched to cheer people up Uh, during everything that is happening at the moment. So well done to Ginny and I'm sure you'll see more of those popping up over the next while. But a great idea and a great to see a bit of colour on Easter Monday, a bit of positivity for a lot of people who are are finding it tough during this time at the moment because for for many people they are within their homes 24-7. A lot of people are working in their homes and the only way now people might be only getting out is to go to uh, the shop or for a 2k walk if they're lucky enough to do that. So it is a tough time but great to see some positive uh, stories like that Uh, from Ginny and others who were doing various things across the communities. If you have spotted something like that in your area let us know. You can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 or indeed call Bernie and Sadie this morning at 1850 And some of your comments in already. Uh, first of all a lot of calls in and their concerns and I'll put this uh, shortly we're speaking with Deputy Michael Collins on the issue 
of broadband companies and can they expand and extend the limits that they currently have on their operations when it comes to broadband? This is because so many people now are working from home and at home and using broadband. Uh, so you could be using it to watch something with your children while somebody else then is working in another room, working from home. People are noticing they're going over the limits. We have called this morning of people who are facing big bills from their broadband providers because of going over the limits. We'll get to those shortly. Uh, but on that, still concern, and even though the ferry companies who we contacted last week saying the majority of the ferries are now just bringing in cargo with limited amount of passenger uh, traffic coming through their particular ferries, we're still getting a lot of calls. Uh, over the weekend, I got emails and now calls this morning from people who saw and see a number, I, I know of people who have travelled from the UK probably before the Easter, uh, but are driving around and it's concerning many who are cocooning, who are over the age of 70 and cocooning that they are staying inside, but yet we have people who have come from outside the country uh, to coastal areas of Cork. We'll put that to Michael Collins on what exactly is happening on the ground. Uh, I personally didn't see anything myself, but there is people who are saying it is an issue and it is frightening uh, people. So we'll get to the bottom of that hopefully within the next hour. Also, uh, somebody on text saying, is it safe to go and see your GP if you have an underlying medical problem but don't have COVID? Yes, but you have to contact your GP first. You're better off to give them a call. Whoever your GP is, phone them first. And then when you phone them, they will tell you what to do, but just don't turn up in the GP surgery for obvious reasons. And on the issue of of beef farmers and something else we'll be getting to on the show today is how beef farmers are facing struggles again uh, first of all stores who continue to use foreign beef and the price of beef for farmers uh, continues to drop on that Dennis says and this is to beef farmers Dennis put it to them uh, that beef farmers according to, them, to Dennis they would want to get a real job. There is a market for 10% of the beef produced here. The rest is for export. If some farmers left the area and took up some other options available to them, such as solar, wind farms or offshore uh, schemes, they would make money hand over fist. I don't know any job other than the beef sector where the government and EU subsidies are still not enough to keep these people afloat. They would be better off, uh, says Dennis, on social welfare and maybe they need to Consider this, says Dennis, while John's saying, and John feels we have uh, too much cattle in the country. Even before COVID-19 was here, there was problems within the beef sector caused by the reckless expansion in the dairy sector. 5% of Irish farmers have over 20% of the national herd. And this fact speaks volumes. It's time to abolish the nitrates and indeed deregulation. And and also, uh, not to mention the whole greenhouse gas emissions issue that is up for discussion still uh, the Minister for Agriculture and indeed his predecessors have failed at this when it comes to dry stock farmers fields John and interesting there you mentioned about the uh, emissions and uh, the the whole greenhouse gas emissions when it comes to farming uh, Jude making a good point here that how lucky when you look now at the environment first of all and you were making the point that there's not a lot of talk about climate change at the moment and obviously that is because of COVID-19 but when we have less cars on the road, less planes in the air. Uh, Judas putting the point, has anybody noticed the rivers in our local towns, how clear they are? 
She says, I can now see uh, what I would call seaweed. I can see the rocks at the end or near the end of the river, whereby before I could see nothing, only cloud. Anybody else notice that, says Jude? On text to 0862103103. And she says, when people speak about farm pollution, surely this shows that all the pollution that we were blaming and putting on the farming community is just incorrect. How come now we have seen a dramatic change when it comes to climate change and a lot of that has to do with less cars on the road and indeed less industry and less planes in the sky. Uh, good point, Jude. 1850-333-103. Our lines are open. I mentioned there earlier when speaking to Cork Northwest Deputy Michael Moynihan and the issue of nursing homes came up and a few queries on nursing homes and the clusters that are facing some nursing homes when it comes to COVID-19. Well, on that, there is a, a COVID-19 crisis in nursing homes, as we know, but that is going to be discussed at a meeting of the National Public Health Emergency Team. That's going on at the moment. And the health minister says further measures now will be introduced to tackle the 140 clusters uh, that is currently within these facilities. But uh, so many people are asking us about the restrictions that in other countries we see in Italy and Spain and Germany that are slowly being lifted. Many people asking here, while well, we have now three weeks of a lockdown after that, will we see those restrictions slowly being lifted and what will happen? Well, uh, just before Simon Harris went into those particular meetings this morning, he did speak to reporters um, via Skype, I presume, when he said, well, it's too early uh, to say when the current restrictions on movement will be eased. He did have this advice on what could happen. I know there's lots of speculation and I understand it about, you know, what will life look like in May or what restrictions will be lifted. I need us to stay focused on these three weeks and not get ahead of ourselves. Like I see some people here ask me what's going to happen in June or July. We can't even speculate in that space right now. We have to make these three weeks work because what we do in these three weeks will make a difference. So it really depends on what happens, I think, on the next three weeks to see what next steps they will make here when it comes to lifting any restrictions, if even that happens in this particular country. Your views are welcome on that. I mean, I know sporting organisations have come out and said at this stage, a lot of the games will be played behind closed doors if any goes ahead, that we won't see a lot of live sport for the next number of months. And if there is later in the year, it will still be behind closed doors because social distancing will be the normal. Anyhow, your views are welcome. Text or WhatsApp 86 or call Bernie or Sadie on 1850-333-103. And I have an email in here from Sydney who, uh, this is Bridget Travers, who's tuned to us in Sydney. Good morning to you, uh, Bridget, or good evening as it is there in Sydney at the moment. And she wants to know, can you say hello to my mum, Kathleen uh, Travers, and my brother, Sean Travers, who are listening in Clonakilty. My mom has listened to the show for as long as I can remember, uh, listening to your show here in Sydney, making the lonesomeness of being away a little easier. Well, hello to you, Bridget Travers in Sydney. Uh, thank you for your email this morning and keep your emails coming uh, via our app at C103 app or indeed on the website c103.ie or directly to jp at c103.ie. You can also contact us on Facebook via Facebook Messenger or indeed on Twitter at C103 Cork. On the way discussing that particular issue regarding while some people are worried at the extent of foreign cars they're seeing in coastal areas of Cork. Now the majority of these would have travelled before the actual lockdown was in place in many of the countries. Still there's a, a fear there from locals and especially the 
those who are cocooning and seeing these vehicles. And also, if you're working from home, I'm sure a lot of people are getting frustrated at times when you cannot get the broadbands to work as fast as it should be. Well, there is a further call now on broadband operators to extend their limits and indeed capacity as more people use broadband and work from home. And here is an email in from Tina. And Tina is working from home and she's been using her hotspot on her phone because her broadband got so slow at one stage she had to use the hotspot on her phone which is basically the internet you get in your phone, the 4G, that basically transmits that across your home then. Uh, But... There's a, a charge for that, as Tina has found out. She used it for about 30 minutes last week uh, to get a document to her workplace that she was working on. It took about 30 minutes to do that in total. She got her phone bill over the weekend on email for the last month. Uh, her phone bill, which usually is roughly around €40 Euros a month, this month cost her €275 Euros because of the extra use that she was using it for, uh, for work to send in her particular items to her workplace or work on issues that she was doing online for the workplace but because the broadband was slow in her home she reverted to her home and obviously she went over her limit or her weekly or monthly limit on her data and now she's facing a bill of €275. Now she is going to speak to her workplace and see will they be able to help her or reimburse something for her but just shows that with those broadband limits or capacities and if broadband because everybody's using it goes slow and you look at an alternative option like Tina has uh, you'll pay for it Anyhow, discussing that next. C103 Jobs. And on today's job spot, we have opportunities for cleaners wanted for an immediate start in the Mallow, Bantry and Castle Island area. It's four hours per week in the evening from eight to midnight, five days per week. Contact 087-3144-146. Security staff are wanted for crowd management and social distancing across Aldi stores in Bandon, Cove, McCroom and other areas in Cork. Positions are open to males and females over 18 with a valid PSA static licence Email your details to admin at oneplussecurity.com or phone 086-417-2523. And two positions are available to join an existing agri-sales team in the North Cork area. Send your letter and CV to info at farmcoagritrading.com or call Tim on 086-250-6605 and you'll find these details and more job opportunities online right now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash job. Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. While more people are now working from home and indeed working and relying on broadband, many mobile and broadband companies are now being asked to extend their limits as people are going over their limits if not the children at home using broadband or indeed if you're in another room working. People are noticing like our earlier email from Tina that they are going over their limits and indeed uh, they are facing higher bills. Tina who usually has a bill of €40 a month now has a bill this month for €275 because of what she was using in the last few days of last week. Well, Michael Collins, who's the Cork South West Independent Deputy, has written to broadband companies about this and joins me. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, John Paul. As you heard there, uh, Tina, one of our listeners, she faced a a higher bill because she was using her phone data uh, to send and do work stuff because her broadband capacity had just slowed down because everybody was using it. Uh, That is something that other people are noticing as well. And even on landline uh, broadband, they're noticing higher bills because they're going over the limits. So while internet has either gone slow or you're going over your limits and you're facing higher bills, there is a higher demand on the service. What have you been hearing when you contact 
the broadband companies because uh, they now at this stage do, new, do need to look at the limits and indeed capacity. This could be the way we all work for a long, long time. It certainly could, uh, John Paul, and I had a huge amount of people ringing me that uh, actually more on the work side of it, but obviously there's a lot of people on the pleasure side of it too. You know, we're trying to work from at home. Uh, they had been working in Cork City. They obviously lived in West Cork. Uh, they came back. Uh, they, some of them didn't need to, we'll say, to sign on the COVID-19 payment. They could have worked at home, but they obviously, with everybody else being at home, they're, 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 broadband the capacity and their mobile phone capacity was collapsing on them um, this is causing great frustration and I just felt that in the, we'd, we'll say could we apply for extra capacity on the existing network nothing like there's a lot of worry out there about 5G there's no need for to go that far we need to look at what is existing out there and could there be extra capacity so I, I was in contact with the mobile phone companies who then in turn contacted Comreg and the Department of Environment and in fairness uh, on Thursday evening there was an announcement that the mobile phone companies now will be able to, to build extra capacity on, on the existing network that's out there already, which in fairness should help. I know the situation you were talking about the lady a while ago, I think she needs to look at, at, at uh, the, you know, there's great rates out there now with mobile phone companies and the amount of, you know, you pay and whatever and I suppose some people are setting little um, payment structures on their own which suited themselves because they didn't need it as such. Now it's totally changed and they have to obviously look at the, the different network providers and get the best package that's available to them but in relation to what we've done with, with, with uh, Comrade and the department that we're now going to be in a situation hopefully in, in, in West Cork and in parts of Cork that need it and in, in Ireland that there's going to be ex, extra capacity. Now the mobile phone companies are going to have the choice of picking where and when and that's where we got to ne- move the, uh, the next bit of negotiations to the point of looking at the busy hubs and the busy places and where the extra capacity is definitely required uh, but at least they can do that now. They've been allowed by uh, government to do that and that's a move in the right direction. And you mentioned their increased capacity. I was reading over the weekend that there's a 30% increase for broadband at the moment and that's why we're facing this situation. What about local broadband providers who always have been here using satellites? I mean, is that an option for people and at least then you're you're supporting local uh, people as well and local businesses? Absolutely, and I, I'm pretty sure that they are also because it's mobile phone companies and broadband co- uh, providers are allowed um, uh, 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 build up their capacity. So they allow, they're they're the lifeline as far as I'm concerned. The local uh, broadband provider only for only for him or her. Uh, providing that service. Most people in the very rural areas would not have a broadband service and, and, and even with this new rural broadband package that's coming online, God only knows when that'll hit the doorstep and without these people and without these people being protected going forward, it would be detrimental for for rural Ireland. But what I what I will say is that people are now going to have that opportunity to work at home. And I think this is this is a catalyst for the funeral, future. Sorry. We don't need to be... Um, uh, there's a lot of people travelling to and fro into the cities, into the bigger towns. They can actually do their work at home. I was talking to a lady the other day. It actually had to go under a mast to carry out her work. She said to me, I didn't want to sign on COVID-19. I can work at home. Unfortunately, the broadband is not st- strong enough for me to do what I have to do. I've had to come right under the mast today. I'm working here in the car perfectly. She said, but that could have been done at home. And that's where the changes need. And now the changes can be made. And I think that change need to be put in place going forward because, you know, I, I just look at, you know, I'm involved in the local community council in Goldie. We're having our very first meeting tonight via Zoom. Our chair, like our chairman, uh, well done to Bernard O'Sullivan and, and Secretary Ellen O'Mara, who put this together for all of us. And it's the first, and this could be the first of many. So why are we ro- racing around the country when we could actually be sitting down doing the very same thing and, and, and on our computer or on our phone? But uh, the extra capacity is required and is now being uh, rolled out uh, as such. 
And you mentioned there about what you're doing with that particular meeting tonight. I mean, once things do slowly and restrictions lift and that nobody knows what will happen when it does and if it does happen, it does bring a new type of work-life balance for many people because you're aware, Michael, of people from North Cork, East Cork, West Cork who travel into the city. Some will commute to Dublin maybe twice a week for their workplace. And while that still may not need to happen, the majority now could be done at home because we've proved to ourselves that we can work in this way. And as we will continue to work in this way, especially for the next three weeks, it can reduce cars in the road. It can uh, be positive for those local communities whereby people then can decide to live in the likes of New Market or Baltimore if they want to uh, and work for multinational companies while still working in those smaller towns without travelling. We're proving it at the moment. We are and I think this is something that we were trying to proven uh, sadly to COVID-19 to, to make us all sit up and, and, and see what can be done and this is something we were trying to prove down through the years the government increased capacity increased the capacity we'll say for broadband companies and mobile phone companies and people can work at home we don't need everybody travelling in and, and, and causing massive congestion and, and, and environmental issues and you know uh, on our roads there's no need for it but unfortunately the mindset was and it's the same as us tonight we'll have that meeting a community council meeting and it's important because we do meals and wheels still and we have caring where elderly people are rang we need to discuss who needs to be called and who needs to be looked after but it can be done in a different way and you know I didn't have to travel 30 or 40 kilometres if I was if it was any other time that's why I'd be racing back to the meeting this can be done in a different way and that's the way we need to look at going forward there's a lot of work can be done from outside and maybe to just trust from employers to employees but they know the amount of work that was done can continue to be done uh, in, in, in from, from their home and it, it actually can and it is being done at the present time and I can see employers probably sitting up and saying wait a minute this is a new way forward for, for us and for and, and for many that unfortunately are trying to do so much work at home and were unable to travel to other employment can now maybe be seen to be able to work at home so that it opens up a new a new um, opportunity and I hope employers you know take up that opportunity going forward. And when you mentioned the capacity limits regarding the broadband companies, had they said, I know some have started already, had they said when, when all that would be complete and when every company will have increased their capacity limits for workers? Well, this is based solely on the, on, on the basis that people are now working at home and the increased capacity is required immediately. So I'm pretty sure talking to, the, to some of the mobile phone companies, I'd probably not mention one above another, talking to, to them that they, are, they were waiting to go basically waiting to go to build on the extra capacity on the existing network once they got the clearance from government. They have that clearance got now, so my assumption is that this is happening as we speak today in some of the areas. I need to try and contact them because obviously east, north, west and southwest needs to be seen after here in, in the Cork side um, going forward and, and that's, that's the next challenge to make sure that they, we have identified to them the places that need this extra capacity and that they will, you know, make sure that people that are working at home can work at home, you know, and spend their hours uh, that they were travelling, maybe giving more time to their employer, giving more time to the to work to prove to the employer that I actually didn't need to spend two hours going to Cork in the morning and two hours to, coming back home in the evening. Do you know the last work could have been done at home uh, and, and 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 far better, you know, service given to given out to, to the to the to the public after. Yeah, and maybe you might, uh, for some workplaces anyhow, you might have less distractions at home. Uh, obviously, that's if children and stuff are back at school at this stage, but you might have less distractions at home than you would in an office for just some companies anyhow. I uh, will see what happens with that. Just on the broadband issue, when you mentioned about increasing capacity, I know that can be done uh, virtually as well uh, from what they have in their offices, but would it require more masks being erected? Uh, that might be a worry for some communities. 
I wouldn't ex- I wouldn't expect that to be quite honestly because um, the, the, most of the mobile phone companies are well covered uh, with master there already. It just needed extra, you know, uh, maybe extra equipment on that uh, master. A lot of people are very very worried about five G and have legitimate worries, and that I brought up at all, you know, before this COVID nineteen, uh, and and uh, we just need to find out what is the exact of 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 five uh, G, the exact safety procedures that are put in place for the public out there. But this is not five G. This is simple extra capacity on existing networks out there and I don't see an extra uh, mass put up there because they won't have the time to do this. This needs to be put in place immediately and immediate, uh, how immediately can be done is on existing uh, mass that are there already and I, I, I think that's the way forward, you know, and it's, it's, it's you know, young people... Are, are very, you know, obviously there's a pleasure side of this too. A lot of young people are telling me they're on the mobile phone, it's going down, it's going down, and that's, you know, quite understandable. And, you know, it's difficult for them because they have, you know, they're at home all day, they can meet their friends, and, you know, they're trying to, no matter what you do at home, you still need to communicate with the outside world, and that's a difficulty. It adds extra stress, you know, to, to young people out there at this present time. And, and as well as that, this is, you know, last night I see many people out, and, you know, they're involved in our community council, and they're elderly and they were connecting onto Zoom and they were absolutely thrilled to think that they're going to have a meeting from their host, host this evening. And m- many of them are, you know, they're in this, the over 70 bracket and they're not allowed to leave the home. No, they're, as, 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 they're going to play as important a role tonight in that meeting as, a, as, as, as an 18-year-old would. Um, and and if, even if they could travel and they can do it from their own, their own living room. Yeah, and it opens up a new a new world as well for people who never did communicate in that way before. Not only for people locally, but they can and to chat to whoever across the world as well. So it does open up new dimensions. Uh, I want to move on to something else, Michael, as you're on the line. This is, we're getting a lot of calls this morning about this. And I feel these are people who might have arrived to coastal regions before uh, the actual lockdown and before the enforcements uh, by Gardaí last Thursday. But this is, now the ferry companies, first of all, are saying to us that they've had very low passenger traffic and the majority of those on ferries uh, are the cargo uh, goods that are being shipped into Ireland's bush. A number of calls from people across the weekend saying that they've noticed caravans and camper loads of English reg vehicles in particularly East Cork and in West Cork. And they're uh, saying that while they're friends and the older people are cocooning, why are these being allowed into the country? Again, I feel they might have come in before everything was restricted and before the lockdown happened. Are you noticing that, first of all, where you were there on the mizzen? Yeah, um, look, over the weekend, obviously, there's a massive, massive drop on, on, on what people are coming into in, into our area and because Easter was absolutely a fabulous t- uh, time of the year because kind of the beginning of the season. Um, you know, places like Ballon Hobbs, Gull and Impact, and obviously Kinsale and other uh, Kilcrohan and places like that. That wasn't the case this time. There was... Uh, it, it was easy to identify the cars that probably shouldn't have been there, but they weren't there in massive numbers, you know. And but at the same time, it does open up questions as to why the airlines. I think they were allowing was a three flights in, you know. The government needs to squeeze up on on the movement uh, with our airlines and and our ferry companies. It's no point in running the ferry when I think there's and 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 the airlines flying three flights into Cork City, Cork Airport. Because they are going to have people that are going to come back, want to come back to their homes or holiday homes or whatever, and I think that that's where they need to nip it in the bud. There is look at the airlines and the ferries at, for 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 a period of time. I think we need to be careful in the kind of language we use when these people are, are coming. To, you know, because these are the people we need in a few more months again to create employment for our young people. I, I think there was a lovely message the other day on, on on the radio from Killarney saying we absolutely love you. We we always always want you to just 
for a, a little time could you just be careful not to come in here it's a nice simple and a beautiful way to put it rather than be ruthless and, and, and hurtful that leaves a distaste in people's mouth for a hell of a long time we don't want that to happen either uh, it's you know so look like it was difficult to see many people in my area because I'd be thinking back over the years and I see this massive influx in Easter that wasn't there by no means there was a few here and there but I think it was fairly well controlled thankfully but it needs we need to look at our airlines and our, our ferry companies to make sure that they halt all flights except they're nest completely completely necessary in and out of our country for a few weeks there's a few weeks in this and we can control it and I hope seriously and there's a lot of unfair a lot of sadness out there and difficulties at the time. I'm flooded this morning with, with calls from children, or younger people, uh, trying to do their leaving cert, and they're absolutely up, upset. And Joe McHugh is a very, very reasonable minister. I think he's made a mistake in this one that he should have averaged out over the, the, the students' years in, in 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 school and given them a result. And then, if they weren't happy, maybe let a small number repeat their exams if they weren't happy. Instead, you have young people now that are beside themselves because they had jobs lined up for the summer so they could pay for college next year that's gone so who's going to pay for college next year they can't afford to go there uh, I think there's a, a serious mistake that maybe the exams are going to be set maybe in July or maybe August it's going to destroy their year and a lot of them we're back to the broadband again, can't study at home because the broadband is poor. You know, maybe there's a, a smaller house where there's a lot of children. It's very hard to study. It is very, very unfair. And, and Joe, Minister Simon McHugh is a very reasonable man and I hope he might step back from that decision and look at averaging their results over a period of time so that they can at least get a very fair result. And then, and then as I say, out of maybe every hundred, there might be five that might totally object to the results they got and let them sit it. It's a small number of easy to manage uh, but uh, that's just one thing John Paul that is upsetting people at the moment but I do understand about the travel issue I think the airlines and the ferries need to be discussed very very tighter and stricter movement rules there in relation to bringing people in and out at this present time So you do feel the leaving cert like the junior cert that should just have been cancelled I think so. I think what they should have done with the Leaving Cert, obviously they need results. They have to get results for the go, go, going to college. It could have been average out over a, a year's work or maybe two years work and then and then, if people were unhappy, you would have a situation, as I say, where there might be five out of a hundred terrible unhappy results, and give them the entitlement to sit to leaving in August, September. But what you've done now is you're stifling kids from get, going out to work. This is what they, they had their jobs lined up, ready to roll. Some obviously couldn't because of the COVID, but as soon as COVID was somewhere lifted, they were going to go back into work, pay, build up a little bit of uh, money for, for their college, and, and, and go to college. I've had so many people tell me they're finished. Their education is, is as, far, as far as they're concerned, is finished. Upset, terrible upset children and terrible upset parents. And the country is upset enough at the present time. And I think the minister needs to maybe look at that and sit back because he's not a man, he's not a dictator, he's a real good understanding minister. I think he needs to sit back and, 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 and I will be in contact with him, pleading with him to do so and to look at a different way forward to give them children a chance and young people a chance to, 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 to at least go back out to work to build up a little bit of a, a, a saving so they can go to college and you know go ahead with the, their their plans in their future and that's not what's afforded them at this present time. It'll mean they're spending the whole summer on Tinder hooks, who knows, in July and August if things aren't working as the way they think, this, this might be cancelled again, and where is it going to lead to? So what I'm saying is, he should consider there, uh, give him an average uh, over a couple of years, the results built on the average over a couple of years, and if they're not happy, they'd be a very small number unhappy, I can assure you, and then repeat your leaving if you wanted in, and you do that in a very safe environment, not the environment that they're considering at the present time, in my view. 
And in relation to the ports, we are restricted for the next three weeks here. And while some people feel, you know, it's needed to happen, we do need this uh, if we are to solve this situation sooner. Uh, But if you have aeroplanes and ferries still coming in, should we just close down the country, shut our borders, especially uh, when we do see those English red cars coming in and tourist spots, but maybe leave certain things open for necessities that need to come into the country. But for overall normal passenger traffic, shut the borders. I think we didn't do it soon enough. Um, the rugby match, you know, that didn't go ahead and a great decision made by the IRFU not to go ahead with the Italian rugby match. But the fans were allowed in. They shouldn't have been allowed in at that time. Cheltenham should have been cancelled. It obviously wouldn't be a decision made by the, the Irish over in the UK, but people travelled. They shouldn't have travelled. And we've left ourselves wide open here on, the, on the both those situations. But if there's flights coming in and out here for pleasure trips basically are, are, are people visiting our country. That has to stop. It's happened in other countries. We have to be strong enough to stop it here. It's not forever. And it's not that we're putting any, telling people don't come back here to Ireland. Every country is in the same situation, so people have to use a bit of common sense and stay in their homes, stop travelling long distances, and at least then, you know, it'll stop the spread of this virus and we can tackle it and tackle it much quicker than we are. Okay, first of all, back to the broadband issue. Uh, um, another Michael saying that you're talking rubbish when it comes to broadband, that they will need a huge amount of new mini-masts around the country, especially in rural areas if they are to expand uh, the broadband into rural areas, as that particular person. Um, also, in relation to holiday homes, and this is something that I know many locally uh, were fearful of. Jimmy is in North Cork. Jimmy has a holiday home in West Cork. He didn't travel because of the outer respect, firstly for locals where his holiday home is, and because what was on the news uh, but he has heard that tensions were high in some areas across the weekend where his holiday home is in West Cork because there was uh, people who travelled from Dublin did you hear that he wants to know have you been aware of that the tensions were high uh, in some areas across the weekend definitely they were and they're running high for the last number of weeks it's not just over the weekend uh, they've been running very high I, I think you know people uh, and uh, have been watching television they're terrified of, of what's going on and sometimes people say things uh, maybe on social media that maybe in the, in the ordinary circumstances they wouldn't say but they're upset and they're, they're fearful for themselves they're fearful for their families their loved ones their elderly in their community and you know I, I, I plead with people to be careful with the type of language they're using but certainly the message needs to be got across to and that gentleman that didn't come down to his holiday home did it here and he deserves to be commended um, he, he deserves to be commended for, for what he done Ta- on the relation to the gentleman who spoke about me talking rubbish the bottom line is the most of the people that I'm talking to are telling me they were able to work at home um, prior to COVID-19 they were able to do things at home prior to COVID-19 on the existing master there but since the, uh, the extra influx of people came into there it, back home basically they're all trying to work it has crashed so the, yes obviously if we want to hit every community in, in Ireland we do need extra mass that's, we don't have that type of time on our hands right now what we do need is to improve the capacity that's on the existing mass and most of the pe- that'll cover most of the people at, at this stage looking at the longer term that's another that's a t- thing down the road that I wasn't talking about before because I've been years and years trying to convince different governments, different departments that we do need extra mass, but in a safer capacity, not this 5G setup, but in a safer capacity, extra mass, but uh, that's, that's another argument down the road.
Okay, very finally, Michael, government formation has been spoken about today. Talks uh, between Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael have been well underway and more of those today in relation to certain documents that they both parties are looking at, which we could see uh, them forming a, a government coalition. The Greens are being looked at uh, as part of that coalition. There's a lot of uh, a green agenda uh, in those particular documents, but they also may need a few independents to go in uh, to this particular coalition. While it is up in the air at the moment, and it's all in a talking stage would you be interested in going in have you been approached I know before all of this happens uh, there was approaches made but have you been approached again in relation to this particular coalition we're speaking of are you interested well um, as you said initially there was Sinn Féin had discussions with us but Sinn Féin went off the pitch in uh, pretty quickly uh, you had a situation where Fianna Fáil had two meetings with our, what I mean us, our, my rural independent group that I remember one of six members of the rural independent group uh, we met with Fianna Fáil twice everything seemed to back off obviously the massive crisis that we've, we've found ourselves in uh, was, was the biggest reason for that things are back on track again we did uh, Fianna Fáil made contact early last week at seeking uh, um, a meeting online with each other um, uh, which didn't happen to no fault of their own because there's other negotiations going on too with Europe at the moment with Fianna Gael and they're, they're hoping to have that meeting this week I personally think it looks like the Greens are starting to come warming up to the whole uh, scenario again and um, I don't see myself being part of government I'm not uh, I have not closed the door at any stage. I was quite willing to talk, but I think their preferences is, is Fine Gael's making it quite strong that they want to go in with a party and maybe the, the Green Party might be the party that they'd prefer to do business with. That's something that's out of my control, but I certainly have the door opened uh, to dis- any type of discussions going forward with, with, with Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael, uh, the foreign government. We do need a strong, stable, five-year government. I don't like listening to politicians saying, actually, ah, we'll have a government for a year or two or three and we'll see. You need stability, regardless of what that government is. There needs to be strong stability, and you need a strong opposition too. And that, and unfortunately, the fact that the doll is not sitting, even though we're up and down to Dublin individually, and trying to space out and whatever, it is very, very difficult because opposition. There's, there's issues like we'll say the, the leaving circle that I spoke today. That the opposition to that needs to be seen as well. And maybe the opposition sometimes is right. Not, not every minister is right in their approach. Uh, but that opposition is stifled down to the point that we're trying to communicate by phone or, or, or by email to the minister's office trying to put the other point. You know, you all, we say your situations where over 66s didn't get uh, just, you know, they were working, they lost their, and, and rural social workers in the same situation have lost their outside of, of rural social scheme payment or pension payment. They've lost their employment and they haven't, they at least should be allowed to make up the difference between the COVID-19 and the payment. They're getting somewhere around only 200 euros so they've gone from a situation where they were earning 350, 400 down to 200, 220 and trying to rear a family and that these situations need to be raised in the doll. Unfortunately, we don't have one. We do need a government immediately and I cannot understand for the life of me why it takes 60 or 70 days, the last time or this time, to put a government in place. There's a lot of messing going on that needs to be straightened out. There is some excuse this time because there is a serious crisis and everybody's trying to dig in and deal with that but other times there isn't. But um, in relation to the question you asked, my door is always opened and I'm willing to go into government if, and there's a number of issues that 
obviously every TD is appointed. I need to see, like, a senior minister for fisheries. I need to see a, a, a promise that, like, you know, a situation where the far- there's 24 million euros of a beam scheme money left over for farmers. Why isn't there a compensation package put in place for them? Do you know there's the, the, in, in, in this crisis, and that's why I'd like to be fighting on, at, around the government table doing that, but if I'm not going to be around the government table, I will certainly be doing that from the opposition ranks. Okay, but you are open to a call anyhow if they do require independence to make up this particular coalition that we're hearing about at the moment. Very finally, Michael, you mentioned the borders there about what happens a number of weeks ago for, with Italian supporters coming over to this country. A lot of people still not happy. Kay and East Cork is fuming at Michael. Even one car coming in on the ferry is too much. Kay has not seen her grandchildren in four weeks. No cars should be allowed to come in on the ferries for obvious reasons. We are on lockdown and these people are being allowed in from England. So again, Michael, a total lockdown, essential traffic only for, for cargo and food allowed in, but everything else, would you agree, should be shut down or shut our borders exactly, to everybody I else? I, I don't know why she's furious because that's exactly what I'm saying mm. myself is that we shouldn't be, um, uh, you know, what's needed at this present time in bringing anything other than urgent essentials into this country and out of this country. And that's what I've been talking about for a long time. We have plenty, to be honest with you, we have a lot of the essentials here already. We have fabulous beautiful fish in our country which is the most healthiest thing to eat at this time we have fabulous meat in this country so we have we, 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 we have the industries of baking and stuff like that in this country so most of the foods can be got in here anyway but at the at essentials yes by all means but stop all travel for the time being until, until, this is, until this is resolved and this is the most speediest way to do that OK for the moment Michael we'll leave it there uh, thanks for joining us this morning that is Independence Cork South West Deputy Michael Collins You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. And on the Leaving Cert, Liz agreeing with Independent Deputy Michael Collins saying yes, the Leaving Cert should either have been cancelled or do an assessment of their work over the last year, like Michael has said. At the pressure now on Leaving Cert students, everybody's forgetting the money they need for going to college. Many do work over the summer and now with no part-time jobs, they're worried about either, first of all, getting to college and then how will they pay for rent when they do get the college if they're lucky enough to get there also many uh, are now are anxious because of the uncertainty of what could come up in papers with no schooling and the fact that they're going to be studying what exactly for the next two months or so anyhow uh, just some of the comments regarding the leaving search more comments coming in and get to those after news at midday because on news at midday last Friday well done to everybody who did something really good and donated to Cork's frontline legends during the COVID-19 pandemic we did ask you to donate 19 euros last Friday as we joined forces with the Mercy Hospital Foundation and CUH Charity. People phoned us, people went online to our website. It got so busy at one stage, the phone lines uh, suffered, as did the website, but that's a good sign. And hopefully we'll have a huge figure for Cork's frontline legends. Good afternoon to you. It's John Paul McNamara in for Patricia Messenger right through until one o'clock this afternoon. Bernie and Sadie taking your calls at 1850 333 103. Or indeed, you can text or WhatsApp 086-2 103103 103. you can email jp at c103.ie or indeed you can always tweet us this afternoon at c103cork just some of the comments coming in to us first of all though just uh, some breaking news regarding the Sinn Féin leader Mary Lou MacDonald uh, she confirmed in the last number of minutes that she has tested positive uh, for the coronavirus having been tested on the 28th of March uh, Mary Lou says she is no longer infected but has suffered a setback uh, developing post-viral pleurisy 
accuracy in her right lung following this. Uh, however, she does expect to be back uh, at work on Monday. So Mary Lou confirming there that she did test positive for the coronavirus back in March. Now, uh, more of your calls and comments uh, coming into us. Uh, first of all, let's go back to we spoke there about the coronavirus on that because somebody has texted in asking how come uh, the homeless people are surviving uh, the particular virus and the elderly who are in the care of nursing homes uh, don't seem to be. And when you look at the death rate uh, with the average ages well on that no one knows for sure that someone who unfortunately has found themselves homeless in this country has not contacted uh, the coronavirus I mean a lot of these people may end up inside in a hospital and are in a test centre and are told after that and we have heard from the frontline members of homeless charities who are working so hard over the last few weeks to care for people who may end up in that situation so uh, no one has ever said someone who's homeless has not contacted the virus uh, possibly some have. Uh, They've been dealt with within uh, the care system of their nearest hospital and that probably what is happening. We're just not getting a breakdown of each person's situation or or life situation but there's no one saying that no one who's homeless has not got the actual uh, coronavirus regarding the elderly in nursing homes and there's a meeting this morning about that or this afternoon even about that with the health minister and the Department of Health and the the clusters that unfortunately are within the nursing homes and the reason for that is it just shows how uh, contagious the virus is and that's why we're all doing our bit with social distancing because how contagious this particular virus is and that's why basically all the measures are in place. That's why the restrictions are in place because it's a very contagious disease. So that is one of the reasons uh, for that. Uh, regarding Michael Collins, somebody asking, I wonder now will Michael Collins uh, su- uh, support a no confident vote in the Minister for Health considering what he is doing at the moment? And on shops, a person here is saying, I just passed, or Noel even on text, saying I just passed a North Cork town and people queuing outside a number of shops. Uh, I wonder, are all these shops considered essential hardware stores. You know, there was confusion over hardware stores initially. Uh, I know the uh, the health, the Department of Health weren't too keen on them uh, being open. They weren't a class as essential. Then they were. And while there was confusion, it seems today looking around that the majority of hardware stores, some anyhow, some of them are open. But what they are doing is you will ring them first, you can place your order and then you can collect your order outside the store. And they seem to be doing this again using social distancing. But if you are going into the store, uh, there's queues whereby maybe only one is allowed in at a time. So maybe that's the queues you were seeing. But certainly hardware stores are not operating like supermarkets whereby there's a lot of people in the store at one time from the ones we uh, have have been hearing of anyhow this morning is it's one in one out and you ring first with what you want and they try and help you over the phone and then you will collect it from the store that's what we're hearing maybe you're seeing something different Noel but that's what we're hearing anyhow regarding hardware stores some not all but some have reopened this morning uh, to see if they can help customers with paint and that type of thing and another text here from a person who says a friend of mine was to call for me yesterday to take me to get food for myself and my seven dogs he was stopped and told he had no business coming into Kenturk all I wanted was 15 minutes in the town and I would have to leave my and I would not have to leave my house again for another three to four weeks. How wrong is that? Is that not a police state? Uh, well on that first of all I don't know where that person was coming from to collect you. I mean if that person was uh, from a, an outside area whereby they were coming from another town that had the same shops as Kenturk well then 
there was a you know there's a situation where why why are you coming into Kenturk when you can shop in your own community again to prevent spreading uh, the virus to that particular area? Uh, so I don't know where that person was coming from. Also, there's the issue of social distancing. Then if they came to you and you're living with a person and you get into their car, you know, two meters is impossible in, in a car situation. So there's that issue as well. I mean, if there was someone available in the area near you that could go to the shop for you if you're cocooning or, or and bring the items back and leave them at your door that would be one of the options for you but that is what is happening and that is all uh, to curtail the virus and that's what the operation of the Guardi were doing over the weekend uh, was to prevent people from travelling from one area to another uh, whatever about outside of 2k some people will need to travel outside 2k to get to a shop uh, but I know of situations in, in another county in Kerry actually uh, whereby a person was travelling from one town to another town that might be about 30 minutes away and they were told turn around you can get the same items uh, you can get in your own town without travelling to the other nearby town which is about 30 minutes away they were told go back and buy your items in your own town uh, because the person really wasn't justifying I think the same shops were in both towns so there was no reason uh, to leave where they were uh, so that is happening and that is all because of that operation that is underway with the Gardaí and will be underway uh, for the next uh, three weeks so those restrictions which by the way are all over the world not just here in Ireland every country has them some now uh, are slowly lifting those restrictions such as Spain such as Italy uh, and and other uh, Austria, another uh, country in, in the uh, in Europe that are doing that. But saying that, at the same time, they're doing it slowly. Uh, but they have been in lockdown longer than us. Anyhow, uh, that's what the and why the restrictions are in place. And again, it's a worldwide, not just here in Ireland. It's worldwide on the issue of farming. Someone earlier wrote about that farmers get a lot of the EU money that comes into this country. Well, Dermot Kelleher of the ICSA says that twenty percent of the Irish farmers are only getting eighty percent of the EU money. So that person is incorrect with their comment earlier. And uh, a nice text here from a person in Mill Street who says, "I was reading in the exam." Uh, that Alice Taylor, of course, uh, the well-known local author, has asked us all to light an electric candle, possibly a Christmas candle, an electric one, on our windows facing the street or the road during the day, especially as a symbol of hope. It's a lovely idea and hopefully it will be done here in Mill Street, says that person. And of course, it backs up what was done on Saturday night. Uh, great to see so many homes uh, doing this for the shine a light on a Saturday evening. Uh, you would have seen pictures, I'm sure, and they still are there on the C103 Facebook or Instagram account whereby there is a number of people who had candles on their windows. Obviously, we're asking people, if you are doing that, to use an electric candle uh, rather than the uh, traditional candle. Just our emergency services are, are busy enough as it is. We don't want to uh, make them busier than what they are. So if you have an electric candle, uh, use that on your window. Again, uh, it just shows a sense of hope uh, that we all have for this and some people I know Margaret was one of the first callers to us when this all kicked off in March and she was asking people to do that to put an electric candle on your window to show hope and we saw that on Saturday night and again people can do this uh, every night just to show a bit of hope right across our country by showing the light from an electric candle and placing it on your window and it was evident that that was done right across Cork over Saturday evening. But every night I think people are doing this to show a sense of hope through the light of a candle. And hi to Joan who is asking for a shout out to Bantry and surrounding areas. The Bantry Red Cross are out to help people with shopping and collecting medicine. And you can contact them on this mobile phone number 0871235546 if you can, uh, if you are in a situation in Bantry whereby you do need uh, shopping uh, medication or whatever 
collective for you Bantry Red Cross are helping out at the moment with that we have the number there and you can get on to us and uh, we can give you more numbers for other areas of Cork whereby local communities are rallying around together and like the Red Cross in Bantry they are providing those supports to so many people our lines are open 1850 333 103 text or WhatsApp 0862103103 shortly discussing how families and parenting has changed in relation to COVID-19 and how households, I suppose, overall have changed. And farmers and beef farmers worried about the price of beef. Discussing that next. What an amount. Well done to everybody who contributed last week. It was last Friday. We asked you to do something really great on Good Friday. And you did. Because C103, we teamed up with the Mercy Hospital Foundation and CUH Charity. We asked you to donate 19 euros to support Cork's frontline legends. And you did just that. 77,515 euros and 23 cents was the total amount donated a huge amount of money uh, so well done to everybody who donated that money now raised will go towards supporting services for those going beyond and above uh, during this tough time in the hospitals we mentioned in Cork and a massive thank you for supporting Cork's frontline legends last Friday huge amount of money over 77,000 euros supported and donated by you here in Cork with no DC Skoda New Mallow Road Cork proud to get behind those steering us through COVID-19 crisis and again well done that's a huge amount of money and a great investment for Cork hospitals and they're investing that by the way in a number of different ways Uh, for example I know the Mercy are looking for more support services for their frontline staff and I know in in CUH uh, they're looking at setting up an internal wellness centre and an external wellness space as well Uh, so staff have some place to relax so the money will go to so uh, many of those particular projects in both hospitals again well done and thank you for supporting uh, that cause last Friday for Cork's frontline legends raising over 77,000 euro The C103 Cork Diary with Cork County Council supporting businesses supporting communities serving Cork visit corkcoco.ie and all events of course are cancelled so any bingos and car drives that we're getting calls on they remain cancelled obviously enough and also the Carrigline Mokra they have cancelled their dinner dance that was due to be held on the 18th of April that is now cancelled Court today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850 333 At a time when many are supporting local and buying local produce beef farmers are again under pressure with a further drop in the price of meat for them Helen O'Sullivan joins me from the Beef Plan Movement here in Cork. Good afternoon to you, Helen. Afternoon, John Paul. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. Now, this is something that, at the moment, people thought that local produce and those that produce local produce were doing fairly okay because there's a demand for that at the moment. But it seems not. And what's the current situation with beef price? It seems to be gone lower than what it was over the last few months before COVID-19. Yes, John, John Paul. First of all, could I just take this opportunity to thank the health frontline workers for putting their lives at risk to look after us, and also the other frontline workers that are not being recognised, and they are the lorry drivers that are transporting food to our supermarkets, and of course the farmers, the primary producers. Yes, you're right, um, John Paul. There seems to be a high demand for beef, but uh, we're being, you know, told that there isn't a price there for it. I mean, farmers are under an awful lot of pressure at the moment to get cattle slaughtered. This is the peak time for cattle to go to the factory, and it's unbelievable to think an Irish-owned company, ABP would import meat from Poland, bypass our own farmers at a time when we are asking our nation to work together. We are being told by the meat processors, um, like AABP, that the market for Irish beef has collapsed, but yet they're filling orders with Polish beef. 
And why is that? I mean, why are they bringing in that beef? Is there a reason why they're doing that? It's a cheaper? Well, they're, they're obviously getting it cheaper, John Paul, but this is a huge kick in the teeth for the farmers. We, the farmers, have to go through hoops to make sure we meet very high standards for board beer. We have inspections every 18 months. I mean, there's more paperwork following our cattle than following, you know, our relations as such. We know more about the cattle than our relations. Uh, it's unbelievable what we have to go through and the pressure we are put on, the pressure that we are put under uh, to provide this high quality product and yet to think our own Irish companies are bypassing us at, at a time like this when there's a crisis in our country and think they're importing meat from different countries. It's just not on, um, John Paul. It's, this is not the time for meat processors to be profiteering at the expense of farmers to an extent that they will actually put us out of business. I mean, cattle are back now roughly 150 to 200 per head. Uh, you know, 100 is demand for cattle. In fact, in the UK, I think the red meat demand is up by 150%. So in my eyes, John Paul, this is nothing short of corporate greed. Yeah, because well, there is a demand for everything now in a supermarket. We can see that with the amount of people that Absolutely. are shopping at the moment. You would have thought that things might have levelled out. I know there would be still a, a situation whereby farmers wouldn't be overly happy with the price of beef, but that wouldn't be uh, to do with what, what you're saying is happening there. And I mean, I read as well that some supermarkets, they've been labelling beef uh, from different countries. Now, they're saying it was an error. I think it was Supervalue had labelled beef from Azerbaijan because of a coding error. Uh, but things like that aren't obviously helping the beef industry here? They're not, John Paul. And like I said, the farmers were under an awful lot of pressure. We were, we were always under pressure. And even at the price we were getting back along before this uh, pandemic kicked in, you know, we still weren't making a profit. And how do you expect a business to run without making a profit? It's just not viable. We were, we were you know, stressed as it was. But now the fact that it has dropped 30 uh, cents per kg, which means 150, 200 per head, you know, that's a huge blow to the farmers. Um, we have bills to pay. A lot of cattle were kept over the winter, like I say, you know, at a huge cost. And now we were relying on those cattle to be sold to pay our bills. I mean, we are an essential service and it's unfortunate it took this pandemic to recognise us as an essential service. We always have been. And, you know, we are a very important part of the social fabric of rural Ireland, John Paul. And we will do our very best to keep our local economies afloat, especially now at a time when other businesses cannot function. So therefore, I think it's imperative to keep us in business. Um, and you know, Helen, when you mentioned the price of beef there, I mean, for non-farmers listening, they go along to their local mm. shop and they most people want to buy Irish, in fairness, and whatever Absolutely. shop they go to, the majority of people uh, will look for value. We will also look and try and buy Irish and sometimes unfortunately if the, the the price is too high you will have to purchase something that maybe isn't produced here in this country but for example if you go in and you buy uh, beef from a shelf in a supermarket and it's just tr- throwing all the figures three euro or four euro uh, how much is a farmer getting out of that? Well like at the moment John Paul what we're getting for a kg of meat we're only getting like 340 kg you could be seeing anything from 10 to 18 euros in the shop for that same meat it's unbelievable. And I mean, there's too much unfair trading practices there at the moment. I've mentioned this several times on your show, John Paul. You have cattle that, uh, you know, if they're gone over 30 months, you'll get less per kg for them. But yes, when you go into a supermarket, John Paul, there isn't a shelf saying this meat is over 30 months, mm. uh, so therefore it's cheaper, or it's under 30 months, it's dearer. It's not saying it's board beer approved, or it's not board beer approved. So it's just not on. There's too much unfair trade practices there at the moment. They need to be got rid of. We have, um, you know, we have rallied for these to be got rid of long before now. You know, we just feel it's a money-making racket for the meat processors, you know, and it's a way of keeping farmers down. At a time, we need, you know, when we need someone to look after our local economy, which I think now it'll be the farmers that'll step in once again, like we did way back when the building boom burst. You know, the farmers took on the role of building sheds. 
purchasing land and keeping the, the local economies going. I think that's what it's going to go back to now, John Paul. But like, you know, the simple fact is, is if the meat processors keep putting us down and importing meat from outside countries, you know, we cannot stay in business. And, you know, no farmer, no food, that's what it boils down to here. And I suppose we're very lucky now that we are self-sufficient in food because can you imagine if we're relying on like the Mercosur countries like Brazil, Paraguay, Uruguay, you know, to bring in food to us and, and if there was a ban for them to come in, then we would have no food. So that'll show you how important we are, you know, in this country and in other countries as well, John Paul. OK, well, on that, first of all, Dan and Balahasek feels that uh, the meat factories, the politicians seem to be afraid of those who operate the meat factories. And that's why nothing has been done on a political level regarding this situation. While another Dan in Mitchellstown says there will never be a free, a fair price for animals. While there is a grading machine in the factories run by the factories, it was introduced 11 years ago. This was approved by the IFA. It is a money making racket for the factories. The Department of Agriculture officials used to be in the factories grading the meat and there we're always fair and straight but not now I mean is that something else that you've touched on before that this needs to be looked at along with everything else and and along with the supply I mean is there something that maybe that uh, can be done to bypass those particular factories it's been talked about before for for farmers to set up co-ops and deal directly then with the large supermarkets or or is that is that even worth it because of the amount of beef farmers in this country well you know I agree very much with the last person's comment there you know the grading system that is only just a way for the meat processors to make money again off the backs of the farmers. There is no need for that. You know, you're getting penalised for having your animals over fat or under fat. You know, and again, they will find ways to make money out of that out of that produce. So again, there should be no need for grading machines. Um, setting up our own factories, our own co-ops. We're at um, that's a very kind of a difficult situation because unfortunately, you know, Mr. Goodman has the full power over the office situation there, which is not on. It, that shouldn't be allowed. He's the only man that can control the offal and get rid of the offal. So if we set up our own co-op in the morning and if we didn't get planning or if Mr Goodman decided not to take the offal from that cooperative, well then, you know, it's a no-go for us. We would not get planning permission for that. But, you know, farmers, I've spoken to a lot of farmers over the last number of weeks, John Paul, and, you know, they have hinted that once the COVID-19 restrictions are lifted, they may return to the distribution centres again to protest for a fair price. I mean, Again, you know, they're at the wit's end. We have never been making money out of out of beef farming, but we've been trying to, you know, go on as we are. I mean, again, if we're a business in town, we will have our doors, doors closed long ago. It's the fact that we're living on a farm. We don't want to sell. We don't want to close our farm gates and put up a for sale sign. We want to carry on and feed our nation and feed our nation with healthy, quality food, John Paul. You know, instead we've heard reports there of infected meat that came in from Poland. Mm. I mean, our country and globally, we're in a pandemic. We don't want to make anybody any sicker than, you know, what they need to be or if they do, unfortunately, catch this virus. So we vow to keep our nation healthy and beyond. And we will do that to the best of our ability. But we cannot do that if we have the meat processors stab us in the back, you know, taking opportunity where they can and taking money off of us. You know, we need to survive as well. OK, very finally, Dennis feels the reason that beef farmers are now in trouble is because they kept their animals over winter because they basically went on strike before uh, in the autumn period and they couldn't sell those particular animals. This is the only reason now that they have to keep them alive, says Dennis, that you overstocked. No, that's not true. A lot of the, a lot of the cattle did eventually go, you know, by mid-October, November, the, you know, the, the slaughter kill was back up to where it was the previous year. Uh, a, lot of pe- a lot of farmers taking cattle for the winter. That's what we do. I do it myself. We buy in cattle, you know, we finish them for the winter, we feed them on and we have them now for this time of the year, the peak time of the year, to sell on our cattle. That's uh, the way a lot of dry stock farmers would, 
um, farm or surplus farmers. So I think what we need to do, I think we need to get the meat processors to work with us, um, John Paul, just like Tesco. I mean, Tesco has rolled in behind us and have announced that they will maintain the current prices paid to factory suppliers for the next two months. That's that's a great, you know, a huge deal. Uh, we also need Mr. Creed, the Minister for Agriculture, to come on board. Um, I, along with others, have emailed him uh, my concerns, but unfortunately I think Mr. Creed may be cocooning because I have not heard anything back from him and he doesn't seem to be taking this seriously. He seems to be ignoring it in the beef sector. So this needs urgent attention. I myself think that we should have a temporary ban put on all imports outside of the EU. I think we have a huge opportunity now, John Paul, here for the Irish farmers here to export our beef, the premium quality produce, to the UK and Europe. I think it's a huge opening for us. Okay, well, there there is at the moment with everything going on, but is that feasible, do you think? I think it would be, and I think Borbia needs to come out now and support the beef farmers as well now, John. Just like the National Dairy Council has come out and supported the dairy Mm. farmer, Borbia needs to do a better job in marketing our produce. You know, we have a huge um, standard here on our meat, and we need to get that, you know, marketed into the UK and Europe. I think another great thing that would help the farmers would be maybe if, you know, the lending facilities might introduce like an interest-free loan for a period of time for the agri-sector, you know, just to help us to keep the economy, the local economy running. I think it would be, you know, help us and help this situation. A lot of the businesses aren't functioning because of the current situation. So every bit of help we can get is, is very much needed. OK, Helen, we'll, we'll wait and see what happens over the next uh, few weeks and months with this particular situation. Trying time uh, for many, anyhow, in, in various industries and, and farmers are no exception to that. For the moment, thanks for joining us this afternoon. That is Helen O'Sullivan there from the Beef Plan Movement here in Cork. Uh, your views are welcome on that. Uh, you can keep them coming to us. We don't get to them before the end of the show. Today, we'll uh, raise that topic again on the show tomorrow. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 086 But on the way next, how are you coping with parenting and children and parents all in the one house over the last number of weeks? And especially they will continue for the next three weeks discussing that with a regular counsellor on the show, Joe Heffernan, who joins us next. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. And a lot of requests coming in for various people over the last few days. Just want to give this a mention, regular listener, Ronnie Wall. Happy birthday, Ronnie. In Mallow, that's coming in from her husband, Brian. So enjoy your day today. Also comments on the beef and farming industry. I'll get to those as well. If not today, we'll raise those again on the show tomorrow. Uh, But want to turn to an issue that I'm sure many people are coping with at the moment. And this is how your child is coping or indeed how parents are coping during uh, COVID-19 and everybody really in the one home for longer periods than they usually would. Our regular counsellor, Joe Heffernan, joins us this afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon to you, Pete. And how are you keeping today and over You're the last few days? Bed. You know, no, at least the sun is shining and I'll go out in the garden now later on and have a little walk around. And um, yeah, yeah, managing. Managing. Well, hang, <laughs> that's hang what everybody is doing. I think everybody is just about managing at yeah. this stage. There's another three weeks of this for the moment, anyhow. And one yeah. thing you want to touch on today, and this is yeah. how I suppose parents and children are coping together in their homes. I mean, how can you help maybe your child cope with this particular pandemic? Because you have people who are together longer in a house than they would be. And whether that's in a family situation or a house share situation, people really are living on top of each other uh, at the moment when they're in their home. So, 
but because of that there is certain stresses that a child can pick up on when maybe parents are worried about what they are hearing on news uh, with this particular pandemic or what they are watching on TV so there's a lot of uh, difficulties here that can affect the family. There is and I mean the unusual um, routines are obviously disrupted and um, children will pick up on this um, they'll know that things are not normal they're not uh, maybe um, what they're accustomed to in their home and um, I suppose in a way um, kids do pick up very much on um, what's going on around them and uh, you know um, we'd be very foolish to think that they don't notice um, uh, things that are going on. So I suppose in a way, um, how the parents are reacting and coping with the situation is important with regard to how the children are, because they'll pick up on that. Um, I mean, it's completely normal that children at the moment um, would be feeling a certain amount of fear. They don't want their mum or their dad or their sister or brother or themselves to get sick. And, um, you know, we'd all share that. Um, Now, how would it manifest itself? Well, um, for example, the the sleep pattern might well be um, disrupted, not like it was. There may be nightmares. Um, uh, I call them kind of like anxiety-type dreams or nightmares. I was talking to a man um, some good bit ago, um, not not, not quoting a child's dream now, but this man, um, he was having a a recurring dream that he was on this rock and it was kind of slippery and was high up and he had a fear of falling and, and, you know, he would awake very agitated because... He would have been very stressed about slipping or falling off this rock. Now, when we got really into it, he was very insecure at that time in his job. And he was just as many people would be now, of course. And um, he was feeling that, uh, you know, the job the job could go, etc., etc. So, like, that kind of explained the fear. Um, oh, sorry, the dream. Just the same as a child now might, you know have a dream about monsters or, you know, might be inclined to check under the bed. I suppose in a way with this blooming virus, we're all checking under the bed in a way, yeah. you know. Um, so um, th- that kind of thing. Now, there could be changes in eating habits. Um, the child's appetite might be very different. A child who normally would be, you know, uh, behaving in a you know, in a, in, a, in a very acceptable way, might recently be that little bit irritable or angry. And again, I suppose we all are. Um, yeah, are you noticing that when you mentioned there about the sleep, I'm hearing a lot of people who have uh, issues with sleep and difficulty over the last week or two weeks, uh, but angry. Are, are people more angry? Is it because of what's going on? Is making people angry? Have you I noticed think that? So. I yeah. mean, it's, it's a classic reaction to stress. And, um, yeah, you know, we all notice that. I, I, I notice it myself that um, I wouldn't be patient. Not that I'm ever greatly patient, but I wouldn't be that patient, um, inclined to maybe pick up on a thing, um, uh, maybe uh, impatient about getting a thing done um, or impatient about being asked to do a thing. 
yeah, yeah. I, we're, we're all under a certain amount of stress. And, of course, our um, cocooners are under extra stress because, you know, we're, I mean, I'm thankful every day that we're living out in uh, the country. Um, if we go for a little walk within our own place, um, you know, the nearest person to us is about half a kilometre. Um, and whatever the old virus, whatever length it'll jump, it won't jump half a kilometre anyway. Um, so, like, um, uh, but we're all that bit uptight, um, for sure. Um, so, with a child then, um, mood changes can happen that, you know, they're not typical. A child could suddenly um, be tearful and... Uh, maybe have problems concentrating quite a lot of people although with the juniors that gone out we're only talking I suppose about the older teenagers but um, should there's fear stress about the exams and you know a lot of things are still a wee bit up in the air that, that's not easy um, you might notice that with a child's play the younger children you know it might be indicative of um of of some of what's going on. For example, if a child was doing paintings or that, um, you know, they they might be uh, depicting uh, their feelings of maybe fear, anxiety. That could happen, and that's not a bad thing at all. Um, uh, they might have tummy upsets, um, and they might seem to be acting, uh, uh, you know, uh, regressing back to an earlier age. You you could get any or all of those. So I suppose the big thing that we would try to do today would be to kind of try to be a little bit helpful about, well, what can we do um, as a parent? And um, first of all, we need to realize that children are extremely resilient. Um, you know, um, they can they can bounce back from stuff. Um, uh, maybe even much quicker um, than adults. But I suppose, JP, it's important to kind of chat with them honestly and uh, in an age-appropriate way. Um, uh, and listen to them on what they say, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. And to kind of say, you know, yeah, there's um, there's a lot of this flu happening and... Um, I'm 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 not saying play it down too much, but sort of you know, um, you don't want to scare the child. You you know, they, there's enough of that uh, happening without the us uh, kind of joining in as it were. So, like, not to overwhelm with information uh, about it, but to say yes, a lot of people are getting sick, and um, we have to be very careful about what we do, and. Um, once we do the right things, well then we won't get sick. We'll be okay, and um, and that would be reassuring for the child to hear and to take notice, like of uh, of of what's happening with the child, like any of the above things that we mentioned earlier: the eating habits, the sleeping habits, the uh, the moods, and all of that. And then, um, if if it's appropriate to to maybe ask the child, um, you know. What what um what what do they think about um uh what, what what's happening in all this thing on the on the telly and all that like what what do you think of all that and um and to listen very carefully and very 
uh, emphatically um, uh, to to what the child says. It's very important, like that, um, to listen uh, to the child, um, so that they know that they count, and they know that that what they feel and what they think and what they say is important. That it's um, you know that it's not discounted or minimised in 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 any way, and to let them know that it's okay not to feel okay, um, you know, and to share with them maybe. Um, to say, yeah, sure, we're all a little bit, um, you know, uh, worried and uptight. anxious. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. it's not just them; it's everybody. Because this new, this is a whole new scenario for uh, the majority of people uh, living across the world. Nobody has lived in anything like this before, so it's new to everybody. So it's, yeah, you could really say we're all going through it together, no matter what age you are. Absolutely, uh, yes, and and yeah, to to kind of as it were to validate um, the child's anxiety. Um, which would be very important. And then I suppose on a practical basis then to kind of have, um, you know, to have a daily routine, a daily schedule, um, because that can stabilise stress as well. Uh, Normal routines like help, um, that whatever is going on outside in the world, as it were, that, um, you know, that our home, we're doing okay. Um, yeah. You know, we get up and we have our breakfast and, um, you know, we do a bit of this and a bit of that and maybe um, encourage the child um, to get involved maybe in a bit of uh, artwork. Um, and and that can be wonderful because um, the child can find that as, as a means of uh, expressing, maybe not having the vocabulary uh, to express feelings, but can can paint those feelings as it were that's and true. to encourage mm-hmm. that that's mm-hmm. a very good point yeah they'll, they'll express themselves through the artwork they do and you might learn a lot from what they paint uh, they might not say it out of their mouth but they might say more in how they paint I suppose also is that looking at oh, how much they limit themselves to the intake of news coverage or media coverage on that as well that might frighten them more uh, so that's something to look at as well Joe it's something we might touch back on uh, next week I see a few comments coming in so we, we might still uh, have a quick chat yeah. about this next week on and the can show I, can yeah. I just say a very quick Thing five members seconds. of GROW, yeah. um, there's no meetings at the moment, but there's a six-week program on the website, www.grow.ie. And, and they can check it out there. Perfect, they the can check it out there. For Lovely. I have to go, Joe. Thank you for that, Joe. Okay, uh, I'll, I'll give you a, a, a counsellor from uh, Boherby, 029 Thanks to Bernie and City. Back tomorrow.